thought that was a repeat. Yeah. Welcome to episode 19 of Here the American Craftsman Podcast. 19, yeah. one nine, wow. one short of 20. Yeah. Can you believe it? Not really. <laughs> we still have anybody listening out there. <laughs> Time has flown. Yeah. It does, you know, I mean, I always say this about everything, but it, feel, it feels like we do, we've done more than 20, but at the same time, yeah. it doesn't feel like it's been that long. It, it's weird, right? It could have been 100, it could have been three. Yeah. It's, um, because most of the stuff is just things we talk about all the time anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, every day here is an eight-hour long podcast. Now, we're just recording it now. Right. And we got to watch our language for the most part. Yeah. We had to take out microphones. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, well, it's second week of the new year. Yeah. I wonder how everybody's doing. And um, Yeah, give a shout-out to my wife, Allie. Today's her that's, birthday. Yeah, that's right. It's Allie's birthday. Happy birthday, babe. All right. So, well, introduction. We want to jump into the beer of the week? Yeah, why not? Because right. we, we're kind of starting a little bit of a new, uh, not quite a tradition, but a new... Uh, new, uh, yeah, trying a new thing. So when I went to the liquor store today, or the beer store, as some of you in the in those, uh, what do they call those counties? Not dry, dry, not a dry county, but like a is it a blue county? Like a oh, like blue laws where they can only get certain things. Yeah, yeah, like where you have to buy beer at a beer store, yeah, and liquor yeah. at a liquor store, or a state store. We yeah, have, we call them liquor stores here. Is that what do you what do you call them in growing up in like yeah New York and, liquor store? Yeah. I, in Texas, though, they had blue laws. Yeah. And I, you know, I was a kid. I didn't know what it was. Closed on Sunday, stuff like that. But you, we used to have to use batteries for pedals and things like that. And I remember trying to get batteries on a Sunday and they couldn't sell them. What? <laughs> yeah, those devil's batteries. I don't, I don't know if that's still, still the case. But in the late 70s in Texas, you couldn't buy batteries on Sunday. Oh, my God. <laughs> you think you had it bad in 2020? That's right. Suck it up. That's right. That, that was when they used to, like, they they uh, drag you out of your car for having long hair. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think we talked about that on one. And, and you know, it, you didn't really complain. And, of course, there's so much stuff wrong now, but... I mean, it was always bad is the point. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so when I went to the liquor store today, they have a whole section of like, you know, the big uh, 22 ounce bottles or mm -hmm. 750 milliliter yeah. bottles. And they had some single cans. So I decided to go with a $8 can of beer <laughs> instead of a, um, you know, a four pack or a six pack because we have the fridge is starting to fill up with beer. So somebody just did a spit take at home when yeah. you told them it was eight dollars. Oh, man, I've, I've uh, bought beer that's way more expensive than that, like forty dollars a bottle. So this is uh, the uh, the label intrigued me. Yeah. 
Look at oh, chocolate, cherries, and cinnamon. Yeah, is that so it's got is? cinnamon sticks and cherries and chocolate pieces and vanilla on there. Uh. And it's called Granola Mom's Favorite. <laughs> is it going to be good? <laughs> it's by uh, Evil Twin Brewing in New York City, which I, I, uh, I'm familiar with the brewery. They're very good. Oh, wow. Okay, so already off the bat, throw me for, for you know, th- uh, throw me in the left field. Sour India Pale Ale, well, brewed with milk sugar, sweet and sour cherry, chocolate, cinnamon, and vanilla. <laughs> not, for, not for the traditionalist, no. is what you're telling me. So that's what six ninety nine gets you. <laughs> yeah. We're we're gonna go Japanese style with the the taller beer and sharing of the, the. You see the color of the. Yeah, like a cherry cola. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Right? I think this is gonna be. I don't know. I think it's gonna be good. <laughs> this is nice. It gives us that kind of ceremonial feeling yeah. in the glass. Yeah. Wow. Frothy man, look at that. Holy cow, it does look like cherry coke. I think I'm gonna like this. All right, there was probably people cringing if they can see it had the <laughs> beer can on the planer bed. Yeah, yeah, we break all kinds of those. Cheers, cheers to you, come pie. Yeah, and cheers to everybody out there. You know, I wonder if everybody else is having a beer while they're listening. Hmm, maybe. Hopefully, if you're not if you're not at work <laughs> or driving. Yeah. Hmm. Hot damn! Wow. No wonder that costs six ninety nine. That's really unique. That doesn't even taste like beer. It's almost got a cider kind of thing going on. You ever bought at Trader Joe's the tart cherry juice? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what that tastes like. Boy, this could be troublesome if you had more than one. Yeah, that, like you could put a, an ice cube in yeah, and drink yeah. it. 6.5% alcohol by volume. Yeah, wow. And and what's the brewery again? Evil Twin. Evil Twin. I think um, Evil Twin, let me look this up. I want to say, remember we had that McKellar beer that was the mm-hmm. coffee and the raspberry. I think yeah. it's, I think it's his brother, huh? Or there's some kind of relationship with somebody else. Who is Evil Twin Brewery? I wonder if they're actually brewing in New York City. Evil Twin Brewing was started up nomadically in 2010 by. Oh, I'm not even going to attempt this. Jeppe Jarni. Gerso <laughs> sounds French. Yeah, yeah, that's that was that was pretty good. J e p p e j a r n i t hyphen b j e r g s o. Yeah, yeah. In 2012, him and his family decided to make New York City their home and join the burgeoning local beer scene. Uh, so yeah. Forget everything I said. He has nothing to do with McKellar and looks like he's just some guy. Yeah, and he's, he's clever. Ah, he's some inch. here we go. No, I was right. McKellar and Evil Twin are two exceptional breweries run by two twin brothers and fueled by a certain antipathy. 
What do they mean by antipathy? They don't care. Hmm. Relatable. <laughs> In fact, their relationship is so rocky that when evil twins, uh, oh, what? So rocky that when evil twins, Jeppe set up his own brewery, he decided to cross the Atlantic just to put a few more miles between them. So where's the other brewery in Europe? McKellar, I think, is in California now, but he was kind of like a nomadic, mm. nomadic guy. Evil they don't twin, get along. Nomadic brewery originating in Denmark. Uh, so those are Danish names. Well, we won't inundate you with any more of this silly beer talk. No, but it's good. It's tasty. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... Imagine if this was like icy cold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's cold, but there's no frost on the glass. I went up to the register and I looked back at the case and I was like, should I grab another one? <laughs> now we know. Kind of kicking myself now. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, before we get off the beer news, we had some Ross last oh, week. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. They're, They're opening right down the street. Yep. So I thought that they were in Red Bank. I and, think that's what it said on the label, didn't yeah, it? Uh, or Shrewsbury or something like that? Or? I don't remember. I think I was thinking of Red Tank. Oh. They're over by Jamian's. So I misspoke. Um, I thought Ross was in Red Bank. And I thought I saw something when I was looking last week about Red Bank. But they're building a new brewery, which is one street north and then down by the water. Yeah. So, it's like a mile or so. Yeah. So we're on like what we call in this area. <laughs> it seems to be unique to this area. We have like what we call wet side and dry side. So Route 36 splits all these towns down the middle. The side near the water is the wet side. And the side on the other side of the highway is the dry side. Yeah. So we're yeah. on the dry side here. I live on the wet side of Leonardo. They're building the brewery on the wet side of Port Monmouth. Yeah. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah I, I said, uh, you know, if you guys want to collaborate on anything, you need something made out yeah. of wood, let us know. That could be cool. Yeah, we'll drink Ross every week if, uh, <laughs> if that's what you want to do. It was good beer, too. I mean, That hey. was a thing. Yeah. I mean, it was really good last week, too. Yeah. Uh, completely different than this. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. And still. I, see, I was expecting this to be like a stout. Yeah. I didn't read the can, really. I just read the front. I, you know, I looked at the front and read the name. Um it just had that look with the yeah. chocolate and everything. Yeah, it almost doesn't, like you said, that almost doesn't taste like beer. Yeah. All right, so uh, we we made it this far. We're going to go right to the uh, tool of the week. Yeah. All right, well, uh, this week uh, is a little bit different. I mean, we still got the tool of the week, mm -hmm. but um, the main part of the tool of the week, and even though we've talked about pencils before, because we are aficionados of the yeah. <laughs> mechanical pencil. If, I mean, that's a good uh, like kind. Snobs, word. if you will. <laughs> but one of our uh, loyal listeners, Rich M. in Colorado, he gifted us, and, I, and I'll show you afterwards, this, this whole um, kit, I'll yeah. call it. Very cool. Uh, from Pika. And the Pika, they call themselves the Innovative Marking Tools. German company, I yeah, believe. Yeah, and so it's a mechanical pencil of sort, but it, it's got a really unique shape that it's got a really fat handle and this long, thin barrel that mm -hmm. you know you can kind of use to get into tight spots. 
And the thing that is really uh, selling it to me is this plastic holster that it sits in. Now, on my apron, I clip it in right here where I am have it on my bib, but it's so much tighter on the leather apron yeah. that I could pull the pencil in and out. Yep. And and this is really where it's it's shining because with my other pencil, if I don't retract the lead, I break the leads a lot. Uh, even so, with the bigger lead? Yeah, yeah. So I got oh, the it's such a fine point. right. I got this rote ring and it's <laughs> full. That's a, that's a $30 pencil he's holding, <laughs> yes. but it's like a milled aluminum body. But and you can, because it's a barrel grip, push the lead in. Uh -huh. But if you don't do that every time, when I put it in my pocket, you bend over, whatever you wind up breaking the point off. Yeah, I couldn't deal with that. So it's it's one of the little things where I'm trying to negotiate my my storage solutions to my tool mm -hmm. solutions. And this Pika seems to be bridging the gap. Now, yeah. same size lead, right? Yeah, yeah. It's nice thick lead, which I like. Two, uh, two millimeter? Yep. It's got a sharpener built in. Mm -hmm. um, and it you know has a, the typical where you can send the lead out by clicking on the button on the back. Yep. But then if you hold the button, you can send the lead back in. Yeah. The, uh, now the rote ring, if you press it, it'll just fall. It'll yeah, just continue yeah, that's the old fashioned yeah. kind. Yeah, that another thing I can't, I can't <laughs> do that. Yeah, it must be because you know I had all those years in drafting yeah. school, and that's what we had. So there might be a bit of nostalgia. So uh, you know we've had it for almost a week, and yeah. it's it's definitely a keeper for me where it suits me. You know, like it's a because a lot of times tools are great. Mm -hmm. But if they don't suit you for one reason or another, they just don't make it into the rotation. Yeah, they got to fit into the workflow. Right. So if you're watching, I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, this is a nice. <laughs> this is such a nice gift. It's two of the pencils that there's the same pencil. Then there's one that's got uh, what? Colored, this is a magic marker. It's like a super fine 1.5 millimeter yeah. marker with a the barrel of the marker is only like, you know, two millimeters and then steps up a little bit bigger. Yeah, than this is, again. So you can mark holes, like really deep holes. Or, or dovetail, you yeah. know, if you're doing. And then the similar thing with. White permanent yeah. marker. And there's there's all this lead like a whole case of you know regular lead and a whole case of colored lead yeah what is there the uh, red and yellow yeah yeah red yellow and then i think it's another type of like maybe a softer yeah a softer uh, yellow graphite. red uh it's all in german it's all, it's hard to read i wonder what hardness it is yeah uh yeah. oh h yeah i think i use hb Ah, water. Uh, it looks like it's water soluble, multi use. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Mark. I mean, it, it was again always blows us away the generosity of everyone. That yeah, it was listens. so over the top, and on top of that, it's really, really something I'm going to use. You know, every day, all the time now. Yeah, um, yeah. I have mine, same thing, in the top pocket of my um, my apron. See, I like I like the way the tip starts out when it's nice and sharp. <laughs> yeah. 
but I'm like totally neurotic about my lines. So I've been using it for like uh, not marking like measurements and stuff, but for, you know, it's good for writing on the ends yeah. of boards because with a 0.9 millimeter, which is what I use uh, for the most part, when we're labeling lumber on the end grain mm-hmm. and stuff, it's sometimes it's too fine to be able to see. I want to be able to see it across the room. Right. And I don't want to constantly break the tip of my pencil. Yeah. Marking rough lumber is like with a 0.9, it, yeah. it just wants to break. So that's what I'm going to use it for is is all of those uh, labeling and, and sort of rough marking tests. Definitely. And that's where the colored lead really shines too because yeah. it stands out as a, as a notation of sorts. And we're working with all this sapili. Sometimes it's hard to see on sapili oh, yeah. walnut. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we don't use like ebony or no. uh, anything like that, but... Did you want to touch on what we're doing with the Sapili? Should we talk about that at all? Or? Yeah, yeah. So we've been um, working on this project with Sauce Hinges and with John Peters. I think we may have made some mention of it, or maybe that was on the Patreon. Yeah, we brought it up, I think. but I think we talked about it on the Patreon because we weren't sure of what the... Um, the protocols? Yeah, yeah. If we were under some NDA, we weren't aware of. <laughs> <laughs> so Sauce Hinges, if you don't, guys don't know, it's a company out in Ohio... And the hinges are made in Singapore, which is, I mean, I think that's pretty unique. Yeah. I can't name another product made in Singapore. Me either. Which is, I mean, Singapore is supposed to be a really cool country. Um, so these are all concealed hinges that they make. Um, how would you explain it if you've never seen one? Well, it's almost like um, a barrel hinge. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. It has that same sort of uh, stacked kind of mm-hmm. um, Where hinge the mechanism. Are- yeah, so the it's able to open and close, and the pieces fit into one another, mm-hmm. so that it, you can have a door that doesn't have any visible hinges, right? Um, and it's still able to close all the way. That was their thing; it was invisible when closed. Yeah, and they've been around since I don't quote <coughs> me on this. I think the forties, yeah, or maybe even before that. Yeah, they're a pretty old company comparatively. Yeah, um, and I never knew that they were in Ohio. I assume that it was a company from Singapore just because they're made there. Mm-hmm. And I never, I don't know, I just didn't think that there was any companies yeah. having things manufactured in I Singapore. I mean, we've used sauce hinges on oh, yeah. occasion. It's a real specialized yeah. product. I mean, any um, sort of chest or something like that, We mm-hmm. always, that's our first thought, really. Yeah. Um, so they came out with a new hinge. It's called the 518. And the interesting thing about the 518 is you can actually... Build a build a door into a wall, and then you can cover the door gaps with casing. Mm-hmm. So you're able to make a completely hidden door, and it's almost like a crank hinge on a cabinet, or like an inset hinge on a cabinet that right. it pushes the door away when you open it. So that casing, actually, I mean, it's even different than a than an inset hinge because that doesn't have anything overlaying. Like yeah. a, a sauce hinge is like an inset hinge, right? But this this has a special. Um, set up with the leafs on the inside that it swings it away and clears the casing from binding right, up on the wall. Right. The way those knuckles are shaped, it pushes it out away yeah. from the wall a bit. Yep. Almost. It's like a crank. Yeah. Crank like the way we use those thick door hinges yeah. for our cabinets. They have that extra angle. Right. It has to push the, the extra width thickness of the door out away from the frame yeah. so that they don't bind up. So this is for like, uh, <clears throat> 
you know, you have a, a hidden wine cellar or a gun room or yeah. a panic room or a sex dungeon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What was that? Was that Pulp? No, it was Reservoir Dogs. Where where he goes back and uh, the guys in the back of the gun shop and there the other two guys are there like ball gags and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I haven't seen that movie in so long. <laughs> so there's all kinds of uses yeah. for this hinge. So we're building this wall. <clears throat> it's in three parts. So we'll have one door that swings in, one door that swings out, one in, one out, and one that is. Uh, just a panel. So it looks like this wall with baseboard, crown molding, and three shadow box panels. Right. When the, when all the doors are closed, when the two doors are closed, all three panels look the same. Right. So then one you'll be able to push, it'll open in, and the other one you'll be able to pull out on the casing and it'll actually yeah, open up. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing about this is it's a, it's a mobile exhibit that has to break down. Yeah. I mean, we had to figure out how to make this thing so that the, the people who work for sauce can take this to shows, yeah. break it down, put it together. Yeah. So when we're done uh, and John, did I, I mentioned John, right? John yeah. Peters has been in uh, filming. So uh, the whole end game is to have a video that if you buy the five eighteens, you can watch it and right. learn, learn how to install them. Right. Tomorrow, John's going to come by again with his camera and he's yep. going to film you actually installing the hinges. So mm -hmm. it'll be a like combination how to and with the finished product that, you know, the folks at Sauce can right. demo. Um, and then, yeah, like you were saying, Rob, it'll break down into three separate pieces. We'll be able to crate it. And yeah. it's, we're, you know, we're going to send it to Ohio. <laughs> to SAS headquarters and they're going to set it up there and then yeah, potentially take it to, right. you know, things like KBIS, IBS, uh, maybe IWF, stuff like that. Yeah. Cause right now, as far as we know, they just have that little 12 inch like salesman's model. Yeah. We're, uh, let me grab it. I, maybe I can show it on camera. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can see that. Did John? So bring sorry us if you're l just listening. Yeah. You're gonna have to go to YouTube to see that. Did John bring us something, or did we see that online? That little. Yeah, they had like a cat. It was like a cabinet. Yeah, so we didn't have that here. We no, saw no, yeah. no, no, no. That's what I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they have a small like. Like the size of like a wall cabinet. <laughs> yeah. it looked like so we're basically making yeah. that, but bigger. Yeah, full size, so you could actually walk through yeah. the doors. That's cool. Oh, man. So if you guys have any questions about sauce hinges or um, in general, reach out. You know, we're always here. We're, we're yeah. ambassadors, if you will. Yeah, and go over to uh, John's YouTube channel. We have like a little intro video that's already up. And then uh, I'm guessing in a few weeks, the video for this will be up. Um, you know, we're, we're going to probably, we're going to have it pretty much wrapped up this week uh, in terms of fabricating the wall. And um, yeah, so go check it out. All right. Let's bring us to the gripe of the week. Yeah. Petty gripe of the week. They're not all petty, but yeah. some are. 
Yeah, today's is pretty petty. Yeah, I don't even know what it is. I know. <laughs> I, I I was thinking to myself, you know, we don't want to get too... There's so much seriousness going on. And this this began as a joke, really, the idea of it. Yeah. And so the petty gripe of the week, the first petty gripe of the week was the pretzels that the salt doesn't stay on. Yeah, I mean, we were like sitting like, what the hell are we going to talk about on this podcast? <laughs> What are the segments going to be? And, you know, if you've been listening since the beginning, you see it's kind of evolved into um, yeah. really uh, your questions are the, the the meat of the show. Yeah, um, that's definitely it. Well, my petty gripe of the week is in sizing of pants. Now, I wish there was some universal code because mm-hmm. now we have to get everything online and so you figure out, oh, yeah, I wear like a 34, 32. And then you order it from somebody new. And you feel like a stuffed sausage when you try and put on those 34. <laughs> oh, there's nothing worse. <laughs> nothing yeah, worse. Yeah. Now, as you get up there in age, you know, that's that's generally the case. Now, Manny, he's probably never, ever had that problem. No, Manny probably wears a 29. Yeah, that was high school size. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I think I was a 38 in high school. <laughs> well, you were on the offensive line. Yeah, so yeah. you had I was a 40 <laughs> at one point. I'm a 30 34 now. Yeah. So, you know, I like to wear my clothes kind of loose, yeah. especially especially at work. And oh, yeah. That, you know, that's why I, I wear my overalls today. But I tell you, there why isn't there some standard thing like shoe sizes they're close. Yeah. They're close. I feel like the width is the big uh, variable there. Right. But, I mean, <laughs> why can't everybody get together and decide how to measure? I mean, we have the inch measurement. We yeah. we figured that part out. Now, well, is that the circumference or supposed to be? Yeah. Yeah. The waist is supposed to be some kind of, you know. I guess it depends on where they're, where they're measuring the 34? Is it at the waistband of the yeah, pant? Yeah, it should be at the waistband. That's yeah. where you got to put that snap on. Well, that's like when I was a kid, my mom thought, you know, she's like, your pants are supposed to be right below your belly button. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You're all popular at school. Yeah. With that yeah. look. It's like, I'm a 38 now. Why don't I just wear like a 46? <laughs> so, um, and... I, as everybody who's been listening for the last couple of weeks knows, I they're in the wash today, finally. <laughs> oh, your 1620s? My 1620s. I got a pair on the way. Yeah, yeah. Now, I ordered those, and actually, I ordered those. I Like, I, I'll i wear a 34, but I like to wear, like, a 36 at work and mm-hmm. then wear a belt if they're not going to stay up. That's yeah. my. That's how I like it. It gives me a little bit more room to bend in the crotch and everything like that. And those fit perfect right out of the box at 36 for me. I really liked the way they felt. And then I washed them one time and they kind of, they shrunk up a bit and then they expanded back out to their original size. So I'm curious to see how they're going to react after a second washing. Yeah. Yeah, see, I got 34.29s. Oh, man. Because I'm not the tallest. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not insanely no. short, but I'm like five foot eight. Yeah. Uh, 
But I wear usually 3430s, but they're just a little bit too long. Like, I just get a little too much bunch up at the bottom. I I usually like to cuff my pants anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So we'll see. I mean, I was a little bit nervous, like, oh, it's 29, going to end up too short. Because like you said, you never know. They have a cool thing. You could send them back. Yeah. For a, I mean, who does that? Yeah. Lifetime warranty. Yeah. Yeah. That those I. So um, they're made from. Uh, so the fabric comes from North Carolina. I'm not sure if we talked about this already. Fabric yeah. comes from North Carolina. They're sewn in Massachusetts. Um, you know, they're buying the fabric from a, a place that supplies the military mm-hmm. with fabric because. You know, really, the U.S. government is one of the last consumers that's keeping these American businesses alive yeah, because they yeah. have to buy. It's, you know, it's written into the the law, I guess. Um, I don't know what you would call it, but, um, you know, we have to buy things for the government that are made in the U.S. Yeah, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was actually talking to, I believe his name's Josh from 1620. He was saying, you know, if they get rid of that law, like it's going to decimate the... <laughs> yeah, they'll never know where to get the material. They probably don't use enough of it to warrant somebody actually milling it up. Yeah, well, yeah, aside from the effect on 1620, all these businesses that supply the U.S. government with, mm-hmm. you know, things like... Um, <clears throat> I mean, even all the work, like we've looked into doing uh, cabinet work for the government oh, yeah, because all yeah. that work needs to be sourced from American mm-hmm. companies. Um, if they change that law and open it up to offshore, it's, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. going to destroy a lot of businesses. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it's been going, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, there's my petty gripe. Uh, I'm sure there are men out there that can relate. I don't know if there, we have any women listeners. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. In fact, we've not had a question of the, you know, that we've included in the podcast from a woman yeah. So that leads me to believe either they're uh, a silent uh, <laughs> silent component of our audience. Are you just trying to say they're a spy? No, no. <laughs> uh, I would love to get a question. Yeah, if, oh, if, yeah. there, if there are any women out there listening, let us know who you are. Send in those questions and uh, let us uh, let us, you know, know you're there. Yeah. Um, friends on Instagram with... Um forget her name natural carpentry up in canada we met her in vegas Mm -hmm. at the uh fine home building uh, event super talented carpenter yeah yeah the uh the best helper i ever had or i guess apprentice you want to say was a was a woman leilani she was badass i mean she was so smart and fast and put every other dude that worked with me to shame we had a a woman apprentice here in the shop for a little while so yeah it's definitely not an exclusive club as no, far as, no. you know, your requirements. No, no. <laughs> Just need dedication to the craft. Yeah. That's about it. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is going to bring us to the questions of the week. Yeah. You want to, uh, you want to spill the beans? Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, this, this first question relates to that. And, um, if you guys have been listening, you might have noticed it's been this is our third straight podcast without Rich. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've probably seen Rich uh had an operation on his foot. Yeah, about uh what, nine weeks ago now? Yeah, uh, probably eight weeks ago. Yeah, so he had an operation. 
He'd been toying with it. You know, it was definitely a topic of conversation at the rich house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least <laughs> here in the shop it was. I yeah. don't know if he talked about it at home. He talked about it here while he was at work. It was his thought of his retiring because, you know, he'd reached a good point in his life. He's looking around. He wants to golf. He wants to travel. And let's face it, this is hard work. Yeah. I mean, we all have a shelf life. Yeah. Yeah. There's no... no um reason to try and convince yourself that we can all work no, forever that's right so so rich is uh he's retired there's no other way to put it he's uh he's left uh jeff and i to our own devices mm-hmm. and uh we're gonna soldier on so his first question uh it's coming from uh, kevin mcmahon who's a patron and he knows because uh, <laughs> We told the patrons. Yes. <laughs> what exclusive info? Yeah. What if anything do you anticipate changing as Green Street Joinery goes from three guys to two? Will having less hands change the type of work you're pursuing? Will have will having more space in the shop cause you to rethink layout? That's a you know these are all questions that we had to answer, Kevin. Yeah. Um. All this and more. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's all still a green kind of idea. Um, I mean, I don't see much changing. I no. think we're going to be pretty lean and 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 fast and have more room to sort of spread out and try and just bang stuff out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think much is going to change. It's a, it's a new year, and we have some new goals and stuff, but uh, at the root of it, it's still Green Street. Yeah, I, I mean, as far as the projects... Um really we're doing the same type of work I did for the longest time yeah. by myself. <laughs> so where there's a will, there's a way kind oh, yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, and we've, we're fortunate to have friends, you know, that are in the trades that are in the community, Manny being one of them mm-hmm. where we'll reach out. Like when we did those confessionals, Manny came in and he laid the rug down. Yep. We had another local artisan do all the upholstery for the benches, mm-hmm. and um, so we're we're cool like that. We want you know the more the merrier in in some instances. Yeah, yeah. In terms of uh, layout, we uh, in the coming weeks we're gonna have a new addition. So yeah, we're gonna be jockeying some stuff around. Yeah, we'll we'll clue you in on that in a, in a week or two. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the jobs, same stuff, how we go about it. And that's really not going to change much either. Um, you know, Jeff and I, we could certainly handle all the, the physical work. Mm-hmm. And the shop, as you know, is not that big. No, no. <laughs> 805 square feet. So in, in some ways, it, it's probably going to speed things up. Yeah. Um, because sometimes there's just not the shop wasn't equipped to necessarily have three people working independently. Yeah. And it's a difficult workflow to manage. Um, right. You know, to, to have three active tasks that are productive at the right. same time. You know, if you're in a, in a shop that's maybe twice this size, that has got, um, you know, more power and, and more equipment, then you can divide things up. But, you know, we are limited not just by the, 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 floor space but 
how many machines can we run at the same time and still get good dust collection and yeah, all that's these a big one. all these other things you know we're not a, a big massive place yeah i mean if if you're doing a uh, a job that's casework so plywood boxes with with hardwood yeah. frames and doors there's only so much that you can do before something else is done <laughs> like right. all the wood has to be milled before you can do any of the hardwood work so one or two guys could be working on casework while another guy does the milling. But if things don't line up in the same timeline, mm-hmm. well, s- somebody's going to be standing around. Right. Um, so I think it'll help in that aspect. Yeah. Even like when we um, jointed all the material, you were rough cutting it to size, putting it off to the side. And then I was face jointing it right behind mm-hmm. you. You know, we had the capacity to do that. Yeah, then we broke off. Two guys start to plane. Mm-hmm. And then one guy will edge joint, one guy will rip. Yeah. Then we go over to the sander. We sand yeah. the edges. Yeah. So it actually worked out really well. Yeah. Um, so it, we could be pretty efficient. I think um, there's going to be some times where you could have used that third set of hands. But I think, I mean, for the most part, I think we're probably going to be a little bit more efficient. Yeah. Um, and, uh, space in the shop. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we had a third bench in here and, um, that's no longer the case. Yeah. We gave that over to, uh, Tom McGuire, who's a local guy, listener of the podcast, one of our patrons, mm-hmm. super nice guy, went over to his house, dropped it off. Yeah. Uh, he's got a cool little workshop set up in his garage. So we were, you know, we had to create some space and uh, we did. Uh, so, it, it, you know, change is good sometimes. It's going to yeah. be good all around. I think, uh, um, you know, as Rich gets used to the idea of being retired, I can't speak for him, but I think he's going to enjoy that extra time, especially as, you know, the quarantine and things like that ends. Yeah. It's probably a drag being at home, but, um, and it, it feels good here too. Mm-hmm. It was a good, good time, new year and all that other stuff. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for asking, Kevin. Yeah, stay tuned. But yeah. we got uh, big plans for 2021. Definitely, definitely. Here's our next question from uh, another guy named Jeff. CT Vader 1977 <laughs> on Instagram. Jeff wants to know, what is your go-to paint and methodology for paint-grade cabinets? <laughs> well, tell, our, tell them number one. <laughs> our main methodology is to not take on any paint-grade <laughs> paint jobs. Yeah, um, that's number one and number two. <laughs> yeah, uh, we try and avoid paint every step of the way. Um, it's not any cheaper or easier for us or for the client. No. Um, if we're building you a painted cabinet, well, we're using FAS hard maple like we would use yep. for any uh, natural oil finish or stain. Um, so there's no cost savings there. There's actually a, a an increase in price because of the labor. The labor yeah. is insane. Yeah. To to put on a really good painted finish, um, you either have to have like a, a big spray booth. with Yeah, a, dedicated spray booth. You know, not just like, oh, let me put up a little tent here and, yeah. and spray. Um, but you have to, that has to be part of your, your, uh, your job, you know, description from, for the most part. Yeah. Like at the other shop, that's what they did. They painted stuff. Mm-hmm. So they had a big swath of the shop 
dedicated to that, and they had a full-time guy doing that. Yeah, that's Manny. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, every finish there was sprayed. Yeah. There were some stains and stuff that went on, but there was always a sprayed top coat. Yep. So it's one of those things where if you have a spray booth, you better be spraying everything because you have this giant chunk of your shop that's being taken up by this thing, mm-hmm. so you better be using it all the time. Otherwise, you're, you're blowing money. Yeah. I mean, we don't we don't like it for environmental reasons. Yeah. Yeah, there are, you know, the VOC, zero VOC paints and low VOC, which we do use when we paint. Yeah. So um, about eight weeks ago, 10 weeks ago, we, we painted a mantle that we built and we painted these six window grills um, <laughs> to match existing window grills yeah. that, that the homeowner couldn't buy. Um, what a job. So it was... <laughs> an entire week right or maybe yeah. maybe more maybe uh, six days yeah yeah because you know we tend to do things exactly as you yeah know, we yeah can. so we um we went out we bought four tarps we tarped off the floor and we built four walls uh you know with like zip poles mm-hmm. up to the ceiling and set up our little spray booth we use a great co uh, Magnum X5. It's a super cheap air airless uh, sprayer, and we proceeded to three coat prime <laughs> yeah. and three coat color. <laughs> two it was two primer, two color, three. I forget. I think maybe the grills got three coats of primer. Yeah, because um, they are window grills. Yeah, and it was sapili, so it had some grain. We wanted to fill it in. We wanted a nice straight grain and something that would be good against the window with condensation stuff. Um, so yeah, like. Six days of breathing in paint and cleaning out the sprayer. Yeah, yeah, it's a drag. It's the worst. Sand and primer. Yeah, yeah. I just, I have no interest. I'm not a big fan of painted furniture or cabinets. No. I do like a mix of of stained and painted like kitchen cabinets. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we try and do what we like. Yeah, also... The cost thing is, um, you know, a lot of painted stuff began as kind of like an MDF or an inferior wood kind of thing where it's a lot of putty underneath, yeah. fill in the nail holes and the staples and and then put on this really nice high gloss finish. Uh, so it's, you know, it's like a candy coating on a turd. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's just not how we do things. It's not our business model. So there's just no cost benefit to do a painted thing. And that's why most people, they're surprised when we tell them, you know, we'll build this out of cherry and it'll cost less yeah. than to <laughs> build it out of, even if we built it out of poplar mm-hmm. and painted it. Yeah, because cherry and maple are basically the same price. Yeah, now, yeah. The paint is more expensive than the finish that we use. Yeah. The the preparation, you know, with primer and sanding and priming again. And I mean, the whole shop, this is an 800 square foot shop. The whole shop is tied up. Yeah. We were stacking, spraying parts in this booth <laughs> that was right in front of where we're sitting. It was 11 by 11, basically, yeah. with the door. We have a side door right here with a fan going out. The pieces would get sprayed, brought out and laid out anywhere where there was space. So the whole shop was tied up. I couldn't even get to my bench for a week. No, Um, no. For six days. Yeah. 
So you can imagine what that costs to have two guys for Tied six days like that. just on the finishing. That's why we we were lucky that we had two separate jobs to get painted at the same time. Painted. Yeah. So we could prime everything the same because one was white and one was like this sort of it, it was in the white family, but it had like a yellowish kind of cream yeah, tint, what was didn't it? Called? Uh, something linen, fresh linen. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, what the hell was I going to say? I don't know. We're talking about uh, tying up oh, the shop. Oh, uh, I was going to say with methodology, um, and I guess, you know, like material fits into that. We start, like when we did some painting, I don't know what it was, maybe, what was the thing we painted before that? Was it that bench? Oh, uh, that was milk paint. We were going to paint that door. The, one, oh, yeah. the door we just installed, which that's ended right. up getting stained because that's a whole other story that we talked about already. <laughs> um, so we got on this advanced, Benjamin Moore advanced yeah, kick where yeah. we're like, okay, this is a really nice cabinet paint. It lays out nice and flat. It gets a hard finish. But it has a 16-hour dry time. Yeah. So you're talking one coat a day. Yeah. And, that, and you have to get it done early. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> you got to come in and wait until the second half of the day. Um, so we went with Benjamin Moore Aura, right. which is just a regular latex paint. The uh, the Advance is a waterborne alkyd paint, yeah. they call it. Yeah. And it's a nice paint. Uh, but we had issues spraying it because we don't have the best spray set up. We had the, the wrong tips. Read your data sheets. If you want to talk about methodology, if you're going to spray a paint, I mean, if you're going to paint, get a sprayer because, there, I mean, there's really no other way. Um, go to Benjamin Moore or Sherman Williams or whomever's website and print out the sheet. It'll tell you what size tip to spray with, yep. what PSI you got to have it at, what the temperature range is that you can shoot the paint in, yeah. how long it's going to take to dry in what temperature um, how long it needs to cure, what the mill, you know, how many mills of thickness you should be spraying. Um, so that was like a big learning curve for us. And we did get a pretty good hang of it by the end. Yeah. <laughs> but again, don't have any desire to do any more painting. No, that's what we, we all agreed when we finished. You and I said, no more painting. Never please. again. Um, and we know some great painters. Yeah. Louis Pasquale. So, so that's really our go-to. We'll, like the, the big kitchen job, paint it in place. Yeah. We, we, you know, we prep it up, we deliver it, sanded, you know, more or less ready to be sprayed with, all, you know, if there are any kind of gaps or anything like that, they've been filled. Yep. And, um, and that's the best result for the client, too. Right. Yeah. You know, we don't masquerade as painters no we're woodworkers yeah so we make the cabinets and then we let a professional painter paint the cabinets yeah yeah if we had a, a ten thousand square foot shop with a spray booth well I, i'd invest the time to learn how to yeah paint properly but and then we'd probably have somebody who did it yeah all the yeah time. um but it just it doesn't make sense here we have a very small space we need to fit into a, a niche right where we can um you know work to our best potential that's the way I like to think about it too. You know, we were constantly pushing ourselves and stretching ourselves as, um, you know, craftsmen, artists without sounding pretentious, but just in a design sense and, yeah. and trying to build our skill sets and all this other stuff. But we do it within the framework of our shop 
and our machinery and our tools so that we know what we do. We're not drawn up. We don't have a lathe here. We don't have the, the space for it. So we're not presenting a lot of designs to one another with all these turn pieces. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's important to think about as yeah. you're, you know, doing original pieces of work. That was a good question. Um, you know, a lot of people take something like that for granted, painting. You know, mm -hmm. to get a really good paint job takes a lot of skill, a yeah. lot of good equipment, and a lot of time. Prep, prep, prep. Yeah. Pasquale, um, who's a painter that we've used in the past and just painted the big kitchen job that we, we put out about, uh, I don't know, it's probably six months ago now. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, August, I think we delivered. Anyway, Pasquale sprays with a Kremlin on yeah. site. Yeah. So he's got a mobile Kremlin. Um, there are more and more guys that are specializing in that. Yeah. I mean... Hey, you go on Facebook, find some guys. He's going to come paint it with a raggedy old brush that keeps in his pickup. But again, that's not really our shtick. No. <laughs> Here's a good one. It's a, it's a tough question. It's There's a lot of... Uh, it's very open-ended and mm -hmm. very undefined. Is there a low-end tool brand you would suggest for the woodworker on a budget from Beyond the Bench Woodworking on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, so... Low end, you know, that's kind of one of those things you put in quotes. Yeah. Um, it, like you say, what what are the delineations? I guess we're talking about price point. Um, yeah, and I don't know if we're talking about power tools or hand tools, but I yeah. guess we can talk about both. Yeah. Um, well, you know, what do you got on the top end? You got the German tools, right? Fest tool. Yeah. Your uh, Matabo, and, and not Matabo HTC, but yeah. Matabo, um, Mafel, right. Your fines, and that's like power tools, and then like your Felders and Martin machinery. And, yeah. Sure. Um, but if you're a beginner, you're probably looking at smaller, small power tools and yeah. hand tools. We'll say right. Like so, if you are looking at a biscuit joiner, you're not looking at a Lamello. No, you're looking at a, you know, you. So then you're talking about what can you find at the box store, right? Well, yeah. If I go to Home Depot, um, what's that middle of the road or lower sort of? Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of the tools in that that uh, sort of upper, you know, mid market, the the tools you're going to see most like construction contractors with, like they'll commit to one battery platform. Yeah. So they're going to have either a truck full of DeWalt or Milwaukee, that kind of thing. Yep. So are we going to call those the mid, the mid guys or? I've heard it referred to as prosumer. Prosumer. That's a good way to put so it. So like pro consumer. Yeah. Then there's the consumer uh, grade, which would be like your Ryobis and ridges. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, is there anybody else in like, your, yeah, like the Harbor Freight brand stuff. That's kind of... Uh, depends on who you ask. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen people using those things, and and we're not talking about the ones that they tout as like their upper market ones. Yeah, I haven't like seen Bauer. those. Yeah, I haven't really seen those in action. Uh, well, uh, the guy, Lou, on uh, the commercial jobs we used to do. Oh, yeah. He, he, did, he, he was those? all outfitted with Bauer, yeah. Oh, what did he think of them? Um... 
be honest, I was never really uh, <laughs> was never really interested inquire, in, in his opinion of tools. Yeah. yeah, he didn't he have that like it was either a twelve or fourteen inch chop saw with no blade guard on it. It was a Ryo a twelve inch Ryobi with no guard, <laughs> but it also like you know usually the saw. Oh yeah, no stop. It opens up about like uh, <laughs> oh forty five degrees from. From parallel to the floor, I guess. Yeah. This opened up a like full straight up. 90 degrees. So yeah. like with no guard. It had a full exposed blade, like and it was always sitting cutting on the floor. Yeah. So it was like right at groin height. <laughs> and you know it was accurate. Oh yeah. Um but yeah, that was scary. So if you had to I mean we have uh we have two tool platforms here outside the Fest Tool. Yeah. We've got the Makita stuff because we're dedicated to that battery platform. Uh-huh. And for our little drivers, we've got Bosch. Yep. Yeah, a little 12 volt. And again, it was it's that battery platform. It's the shape of that that drill and driver. And mm-hmm. we have those all over the shop. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a very hard question to answer because I'm not sure what your definition of low end is versus ours. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, I mean, I, instead of saying low end, let's just say, let's just put a price on things. So, like, yeah. for a hundred bucks, you can get the 12 volt Bosch drill and impact driver combo with two batteries and a charger. Mm-hmm. I think that's the reconditioned one. Yeah. Which is, that's what I bought. Right. I bought the reconditioned one. CPO outlets on eBay or yeah. their website. Um, so if if you're looking to save some money, I would look in that direction. Go for reconditioned when you yeah. can, because it's really, it's a brand new tool. They'll come with the warranty, same thing. Yeah, I think the warranty is usually like a little bit less, but um, I mean, when's the last time you called something for warranty? <laughs> Never. Yeah, so... I mean, I've, yeah. I've had batteries go, and uh, I just happened to think, like, oh, is this under warranty? And I checked with Bosch, actually, and they were really good. They ended up sending me, like, six batteries somehow because it got lost in the mail and yeah. all this. Um, so, yeah, I'd say if you're looking to save money, and we're talking about power tools, look for reconditioned, uh, something Bosch or Makita I like. Um, I mean, it doesn't really matter what you pick. They're all pretty similar, like, you know, in the whole cordless tool thing maybe makita's got the best uh i'm just throwing things out there router and milwaukee's got the best drill and dewalt's mm-hmm. got the best circular saw so whatever you pick you're gonna have good and some of the better ones and some of the worst yeah. ones in that platform uh, so it doesn't really matter what you pick but just pick one and try and stick to it right find a battery platform that you're comfortable with yeah um with hand tools, I mean, I really don't recommend buying low end hand tools. No, that you're just going to disposable. Yeah, you're going to waste money. Mm-hmm. Um, you're better off saving and buying. In, you don't need six chisels; just get yeah. one. Right. So spend fifty five bucks and get one Lee Nielsen chisel instead of getting, um, you know, four of the plastic handle Buck Bros for right. twenty five bucks. You're gonna ha- get better results. And Less headaches. Especially as a beginner, um, you need that the comfort of the the good tool because yeah. you're not going to have to wrestle with something that's not ergonomic or not sharp, won't yep. hold an edge, and you might not know that... If it's you or the tool. Right, right. Yeah. That's that's sort of my point. Well, we talk about music a lot because you're a musician. Yeah. I'm a... I'm a 
a music fan. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I mean, everybody, I feel like most people are fans of music, but. Ardent fan of music. Um, you know, they have like these videos on YouTube where they'll buy the cheapest guitar on Amazon. And then this is a real professional musician, somebody that is a, a guitar virtuoso. They cannot play a song that sounds good on this thing because it's not. It's not a real guitar. No, it's not set up. It's going to buzz. It's going to clink. It's They're not. trying to tune the guitar, and yeah. the neck is literally cracking from the tension yeah. of the strings. So you're not going to get a shaving off of a bench plane from the Home Depot. No. You might be able to, to mess around with it, sharpen it, maybe flatten the sole, this and that. Uh, Matt Estlia, I think you, how you say his name, is an English guy on YouTube and Instagram. He bought an Amazon Basics plane and did this whole. I haven't watched it yet, but did this whole video about, um, you know, polishing up the the sole and sharpening the blade and all this. It's not worth the time and headache. It's not um, unless you know your specific hobby is trying to make the best out of something inexpensive that it could be. Um, if you're if you're interested in working, yeah, that's the thing. If you want to do woodwork, <laughs> you don't want to be fixing up. Your cheap tools. tools. Yeah, you want to just yeah. do woodworking. Right. Um, there's so many uh, reasons to buy a better tool. Mm-hmm. The the value is there. Yeah. Um, because you're buying a lifetime tool. Yeah. Uh, when you buy something that's made by, you know, Lee Nielsen. And hey, you want to give up woodworking? You could sell it. Right. You right. can't sell a cheap tool. No. Holds its value. Um, just go look on eBay, mm-hmm. you know, and at the at the prices. Here's how you know Lee Nielsen is a good tool. You go on eBay, search Lee Nielsen. <laughs> What'll come Let's up? Let's say you get 50 results, and that's not a uh, an, an overstatement. It may yeah. it may be that few. Yeah. Half of them are boxes, empty empty Lee Nielsen boxes. Yeah. The other 25 are Lee Nielsen tools, and they're maybe 20% less than retail, and they're yeah. used. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're worth every single penny plus more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's um, Jeff made the best point. You don't need four uh, Buck Brothers. Get one good chisel. Yeah. And you master it. And maybe next year you get a second chisel. Uh, that that's how we did it. I mean, yeah. we have tons of tools now, but you're looking at lifetimes of expenditure and uh, saving and scrimping and yeah, it's Christmas. Let me get this bench brush or mm-hmm. something like that. So, yeah, and you know, we all make choices. That's right. A we lot don't of go people, out to eat, do we? No, Jeff? a lot of people say I can't afford a Lee Nielsen. <laughs> what was you the know last what? time we went out to eat? Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know the last time we got takeout in my house. Yeah. Um, so there you go. If you want to buy a Lee Nielsen plane, you can afford it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't mean to say that to sound, you know, disparaging. There are people legitimately out there that can't afford it. But right. for the most part, most of us could put our nose to the grindstone and shell out 350 bucks yeah. over the course. If it takes you six months or we a year give to save. something else up. Yeah, if you want point. it that bad, you save 30 bucks a month. At the end of the year, you got a new plane. That's it. Um, Instead of buying a $30 plane or a $100 plane, and then it's right. it's not good and it's going to be garbage. Right. You know, stop buying coffees out 
Yeah. Um, don't we, quit drinking for a month. <laughs> we've all got little habits that we don't realize are, are secret uh, expenses. Yeah. Um, and and that's the way to do it. Yeah. It, dump your Netflix. There's 10 bucks a month. Right. Right. Or, or 15 now, I think. Uh, yeah. I think I think it's close to 15. Um, don't go out to the, the bar for the game and drink, mm-hmm. you know, beer on tap. That's five bucks, eight bucks a glass. We make our lunches every day. We eat, you know, at home. Yeah, I make my coffee. I bring it here. I don't stop for a coffee. <laughs> but we have nice tools. That's right. And when I come to work, I enjoy it. Yeah. I said to you this morning, we're going to talk about this on the Patreon, but uh, what did I say? It was that quote. Yeah. Let me see exactly what I said because I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you talk, you mean when this morning? Yeah, with the with the uh, the, with the with the spit take. Oh, yeah. moral of the story: If you ain't got it in you, stay the fuck home. That's it. That's it. So we'll talk about that on the Patreon. The I sent Rob a quote from a book I'm reading. <laughs> I almost spit my coffee out. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. <laughs> so. If if you're looking for like a you know small you know drill uh, that that kind of thing, we would probably suggest going that mid route. You know, look for a sale. Yeah, again, like, like the Ryobi is going to be like a buck bros. You're not going to have yeah um, as good of a time or as easy of a time or get the same results as you are from something just a little bit better. And the 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 little dirty secret of those tools is. Um, the box stores will go to the manufacturer and say, this is our price point here. Yep. Let's, let's say it's $99. You do what you have to do on the inside of this tool to make this a $99 shelf item. Yep. That means if there's a gear that used to be metal and you plastic, can, that's it. That's the dirty little secret to those Things. Yeah, and there's actually, if you look at, uh, go to Home Depot and look at the model numbers on the power tools, Yeah, you'll see differences in those numbers versus, uh, like, you go to their website and they'll have a list of all the, the, the Makita has the grinders and they have the XS109 and the 102 mm. or whatever. They make, these companies make specific models for the stores that have different interior right. components. The tape measures at Home Depot suck. Yeah, there. It's a different tape measure. It and it doesn't stop with the tools, like things like Delta. I don't know if it's Delta specifically, but like a kitchen faucet. Yeah, yeah. All the internals, all that stuff. It's, Instead of being brass, it's right? Something, yeah. <laughs> because we had this failure with our kitchen faucet, like it kept failing two and three times, and I had to keep taking it in, taking it out, and it, it was. So I talked to somebody at Kohler in Chicago because I got so fed up. I finally got through to the, you know, the headquarters there. And that's what they told me. And they literally sent me one from their company so that it wouldn't happen again. Like, no, don't go back to the store and get one. Just another reason to support a small business. Yeah. Yeah. Go to, we have Ferguson and these are, these aren't even, see the definition for small business is pretty, it's like, uh, what, like 25, 20. I think it's less than 50 people. No, it's big. It's more than that. It's more than yeah, oh my god! I was gonna say twenty five hundred. Oh god! Yeah, um, because we're a micro business. Yeah, two, <laughs> <laughs> and no employees. So, um, 
We have Ferguson, which is I think is is nationwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlantic Plumbing Supply, General Plumbing Supply, places like that. Even your local hardware store has some of that stuff. You're going to get a better product a lot of times just going there because it's yeah. not custom made junk. Yeah, that they sell at Home yeah. Depot and Lowe's and Menards and uh, places like that. Yeah, one of the reasons it's more expensive is because they're typically buying it for about the price that you know, the big boxes are selling it for. They're not making a, a lot of money on those things. Yeah, and um, I know like Rigid and stuff like that and Ryobi because, listen, don't kid yourself, it's the same company, Rigid yeah. or Ryobi. Um, Home Depot gets that stuff on consignment. Wow. So they don't pay for it until they sell it. Hmm. Ah, the plot thickens, doesn't it? Yeah. We've talked about it before. The bathroom vanity that gets made in China yeah. by some poor sap who's making no money. They're sleeping in bunk beds in the factory yeah. with six other people. And they live hundreds of miles away from their family. Mm-hmm. They build a vanity, gets put on a boat, gets shipped over to the West Coast, or it gets put on a truck and gets driven over to to Germany or something, gets put on a boat, then it ends up in Port Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Then it gets put on a truck and it goes to the Home Depot in Pennsylvania and mm-hmm. then it sits on a shelf. Somebody puts it there and then they sell it for 200 bucks and they still made a profit. I mean, Everybody right. down the line made a profit. Yeah. And they're, you know, the people who own that company, the, they're doing quite well. Yeah. yeah that's putting it lightly. <laughs> we'll just say that they're not being affected by the coronavirus pandemic like that's a lot of right. us are. That's right. So beyond the bench woodworking, save up. And uh, get the best you can. Yeah. Yeah. And and shoot me a message with, you know, if you have a more specific question about something specific. Yeah. We would definitely try and steer you in the right direction. Yeah. Keep an eye out on like Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, stuff like that, because um, you can see right behind Rob there is that's a a hinge boring machine. And our buddy Alec, Alhead Woodco, Woodco, Woodworks, Woodco, 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 Alec. Gave us a heads up about that. Popped up on Facebook, three hundred bucks. Yeah, it's a we're talking thousands of dollars. Because yeah. we went and sitting that around up and yeah, <laughs> we we didn't even get out of our pajamas before we were like, come on, let's get down there before somebody buys that thing. Yeah, if anyone out, it's a Red Baron. It's called. If yeah. anyone out there by any chance knows somebody with a seven spindle red baron line boring attachment yeah we let want us it. know we'd we like to buy it. it yeah all right so let's move on to the next question yeah, oh, yeah, it's, a, it's a great one very topical what joiner to, do you suggest for a hobbyist and do you suggest straight knives or helical that's from kip gillette on instagram well to answer the second part first don't waste your time with straight knives. <laughs> yeah, we've had them for a long, long time and we'll never, ever go back. Yeah, this, you know, obviously a, a close parallel to the previous question um, in terms of just poning up the cash for something that's a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Not even a little bit better, poning up a little bit of cash for something that's much better. Yeah. Um, it's always going to pay to get the better, better thing. Um. Yeah. We don't suggest getting a four-inch desk uh, benchtop joiner. No. Not really good for anything unless you're making birdhouses. And then at that point... 
And then, and if you never want to make anything else. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, just join it on your table saw because right. really, and a hand plane, because yeah. you don't need a joiner. Um, just make a jig on your table saw. So uh, the, this is what we would suggest. We have an Oliver joiner. Um, Oliver is a, a really old company. They've been around for a long time. Oh, yeah. um, they were making machines in the U.S. up until 1999, and now they have you know very good factories in Taiwan, which right. is where Powermatic and Sawstop and the high-end yeah. Grizzlies, Lagunas, everything. Taiwan is where, where the good machines are made. There's no more machines made in the U.S. Um, the joiner that we have, it's set. The only thing we ever do to it is turn it on. You turn it on and you joint the board and you turn it off. It doesn't get touched. It doesn't get moved. It's never out of alignment. It never takes a bite that's too big or too small. How it's just, old is that machine? Uh, well, when did you buy it? 2002? Uh, about 2004, I think. Mm -hmm. So it's it's 16 going on 17 years of constant surface service, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, we put the helical head on it ourselves. Yep. Yeah, that was about a year ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we bought from, uh, I always forget, Bird is the company, mm -hmm. right? Bird, Shelix. Shelix head. Um, I think it was about 600 bucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, Worth. it's a staple of the shop. It's yeah. really the, it, it, every job begins, it's, aside from oh, yeah. the chop saw, begins at the joiner. Right. Um, and it can really set the tone of a job. Because we have to flatten and square up so much wood. I mean, it all comes in rough, first off. Yeah. And then all the panels we grew, we glue up. Mm -hmm. We never have to think about trying to get to uh, parallel edges. No. For the glue. I mean, you throw, you do the joining, you put them in the parallel clamps, and you just pull it tight. It's, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to, I forget who I was talking to. I, I uh, made the little video about the push blocks. Mm -hmm. and I was saying, yeah, you know, some days I might joint 200 board That's feet right. of wood. <laughs> um, no power feeder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some guys don't joint 200 board feet in their whole year yeah, or, yeah. or more than one year. Um, I mean, it's it's really a, 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 a pillar of the shop. Cast iron base. Yep. I mean, it's got the seven foot bed. Yeah, that that's that's why I bought it. I mean, in its class, it's 10 inches. It had a, the longest bed, and that's really I, I for folks that don't do a lot of jointing. That's one of the the hidden secrets of being able to do a lot of work on yeah. it. You want the longest bed you could find. Yep. Yeah, and there's not a lot of uh, joiners with with a longer bed than that. No. I mean, uh, some of the I mean, some of the older ones do, but uh, there's only a handful of, of newer joiners with a longer. Yeah, bed. you got to step up to a much wider. Yeah, they have a 16 inch, which would be. <laughs> That's we there. have a little tool lost there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is what we suggest. Uh, definitely check out Oliver because I think that they're the most unknown, highest value machine manufacturer that there is. Oh, yeah. We agree on that. And we're including Grizzly in that. Yeah. Um, we have a Grizzly band. So um, and Grizzly makes so many machines. Yeah. If you know what you're looking for. There's some really strong value in yeah. their better machines, great prices, and um, you know they always have parts and things like that available. Even compared to Grizzly, it, it's 
pretty remarkable what Oliver's doing right now. Yeah, I mean, it's really insane. The features that you get for the money, like you can get the base machine at, for from Grizzly at, it's actually a higher cost. Mm -hmm. You'll get a machine from Oliver at a lower cost and it has more features. Yeah, yeah. So we were looking on the website. Um, I don't know what sort of size you're looking for, but they have the uh, 4235, which is the 8-inch. Comes with a helical cutter head, 2 horsepower, 72-inch bed, so it's a nice 6-foot bed. Uh, comes with a, a V-belt, so you're going to get less vibration. Mm -hmm. You're going to get more more purchase sort of from the motor to the head. Yeah, uh, and it has an integrated mobile base. Now, it's only 2100 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Now, for us... Because, you know, we buy machines and tools and this is our livelihood. So that doesn't sound like a lot of money to us, right. 2100 I mean, we'll um, spend that. That's a, that's three Sanders. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know what, I mean, what would you look at as a, so if you're considering yourself a hobbyist, you might be looking at some sort of bench top four inch joiner and that, what's something like that going to cost, Jeff? Five or $600? Ah, uh, do they even make them in like they I make think them they anymore? do but I mean it's it's not a it's not a like a machine that we would uh, recommend I'm just no thinking, I mean I would like buy like a power planer and like right. rig something up before I but if you're uninitiated let's say you're looking at it and you're just comparing some some numbers on the page well this is four inches so maybe that's enough and it's only six hundred dollars um it is what I would say. That's definitely something you're going to outgrow. And oh, yeah. As soon as you figure out how to use it, you'll realize that it's a piece of junk. Yeah. You won't know it at the beginning because you're just, you're, you're learning those skills. It's like the guitar. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I like the idea of the 8-inch because that's something that you can, you can grow into as well. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot that you can't do with a good eight inch joiner. Yeah, the only limitation there is gonna be um, you know, if you wanna glue things up, everything's right. gonna be have gonna have to be made of boards that are eight inches wide or less. Right. Um, you know, with a ten inch joiner, you get a little more there, mm -hmm. but I mean it's not a it's not a crazy difference. No, no. And if you're buying rough lumber, most of what you get is gonna be eight inches yes. or less. That's gonna do it. Um the helical head. It, I indispensable. Mean, it's easier to use, especially with the good uh, grip blocks. Mm -hmm. And um, you get four times the life out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. It's probably even more than that because I think they wear a little bit le mm -hmm. a little bit slower than the straight knives. Because uh, because of the helical shape, I feel like they probably build up less heat. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if that's true. It's just my hypothesis. We've gotten a lot of use out of these. We're just we about ready even, to turn them. yeah. But. Yeah, and I mean, really, it's still joining nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you can turn those teeth three times. You know, yeah, you get four, times, four yeah. sides, um, and then you just buy new ones. Yeah, and then the mobile base, that's like, you know, two $300, depending on the size of the machine. Yeah, and it's built move. into this 8-inch. Right. So if you're a hobbyist and, like, let's say you work in your garage and, you you know, you need to keep an area clear to pull the car in, well, mm -hmm. it's nice because you can just push it against the wall, and then yeah. if you need... You can pull it out. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that's our clear choice. If we were, you know, say recommend something, we don't have any hesitation recommending that we no. have the bigger brother of that machine here. Right. So it's, 
you know, we spent our own money on that machine. Yeah, it's got the parallelogram. <laughs> we spent our own money on those the the Shelix head. Yeah. So we're it's not, a real cast iron yeah. tool. Um, we're not hucksters. No. Um, and then had here, if you know, if eight inches too big, which you know, I'd really think on that. Um, because, like Rob said, you know, you're gonna outgrow this quick if you if you start doing a lot of woodworking. They had the six inch joiner, which same thing has a helical head. It's only one horsepower versus the two. No mobile base, but that's only fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, it the the upgrades to go from the the six to the eight inch are it's yeah six hundred bucks. It's, it's nothing significant. Yeah. yeah, just the just the ability to move the machine around. Yeah, I mean, go on Grizzly site and look at measure the base of a joiner and and find a good stand there you'll see how much they cost yeah yeah i mean we've been For doing some base, uh, some is. looking at a tool and we went you know we looked through the whole grizzly catalog and we always have oliver on our mind because we love the joiner and we're you know we'd like to get some more oliver in the shop um and the differences between the tools yeah. for the money is insane. It's the Oliver is a is a more affordable tool and it's better. Yeah. It has more features. We were shocked actually. They have on their planers, they come with the Wixie digital readout, mm-hmm. um helical cutter head standard. They don't even have straight knives. No. They were the first company to put a helical head into yeah. a planer. Yeah. Um it's it's good. We like them. They're out on the West Coast. Yeah, in uh, Kent, Washington. Um, they were based out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And just like with the 1620 pants and um, the Calavera aprons, we're always mentioning these things because we think it's important to build this type of community because we want to spread the word. These are companies that we deal with. Yeah. And uh, we want to promote them in the honest sense of the word. Yeah. Uh, because it's it our stamp of approval. Yeah. Yeah. If it's, it's something we use, we spent our own money on it. Yeah. I'd say, give them a call, Kip, uh, you know, reach out to Oliver, chat him up. Yeah. You know, tell him what you're looking for. <laughs> what tell him we sent you Yeah, <laughs> for what that'll get you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> green street sent me. Oh, <laughs> no, no, we love those guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you know, they'll be able to to tell you even more and give you more specific information about, you know, what their machines can do for you in in terms of what you're looking for specifically. So And yeah, reach out to us if you have any more questions, yeah. or, you know, opinions on the 4240. Yes, yes. It's amazingly similar responses. It's save your money, do oh, you know, go without something else and get the best tool machine that's you know within reason of your budget yeah yeah there you go all right next question you want to read it jeff yeah this is from Derek in cleveland he's d melinda 42 on instagram if you were to get just one festool sander which would you get i have a ct15 for my domino but can't decide if the rotex is worth the extra money or if i should get the 150 size over the 125 what do you think go browns Yeah, I don't watch football, but I heard about that. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, what, uh, 16, 17 years? I think. Since the playoff, last playoff. It was in the 90s, I think. 94, I think, yeah. yeah. So that's 20-something years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking 2004. Yeah, man, that time does fly, doesn't it? Yeah. 
Man. Yeah, they gave uh, Pittsburgh a beatdown. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's any listener in Pittsburgh. Yeah, Yin's out yeah. there. <laughs> so the let's still- get back to the question. As they say in Pittsburgh, the Stillers. The Stillers, yeah. Um, so is let's answer the first part of that question. Is the Rotex worth the extra money? Yeah, absolutely. We've got one. We've yeah. got... We have... We we don't have the six inch anymore. That one finally gave up the ghost after that one had been in service for twenty years. Yeah, that was a, a ETS one fifty. Yeah, slash oh. three, and now, so we got a handful of the one twenty fives. Yeah, we have oh. uh, two or three now. Yeah, so I I agree. The Rotex is without question worth the extra money. Wh- why would you say it is? What's your um. We've got a ruckus going on outside. <laughs> I don't know what that is. A squirrel got into a garbage can, I think. Yeah. Um, what I like about the Rotex is it has the two modes. So it has the orbital random orbit mode mm-hmm. and the direct drive mode. So you get basically two sanders in one where you can do a heavy material removal with a low grit. And then you get a finish, basically a finish sand. On the higher grit. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we don't go super crazy with the sanding. I'm like a 320 tops. Yeah. Um, we're not doing like the 600, the 1,000 wet. <laughs> no. Because we use oil finishes. Yeah. If you're using, um, you know, lacquers and stuff like that, where you need to have a very high, where you wet sand at the mm-hmm. end, that's not our, our deal. Um, so for what we do, the Rotex is perfect. I really don't pick up the other sanders anymore. No, nobody does. In fact, we almost went to like a one sander shop we had six sanders yeah um when uh, we got the rotex and that's it's everybody's favorite sander yeah um we have the 150 the six inch rotex yeah. if uh if you could think of anything that's on the negative side when we compare it to the other sanders what would you say about the rotex it's just bigger it's yeah. not as um it's not really a one-handed sander. No. Uh, you can, but... It'll wear you out. Yeah, like, you know, if you're sanding, like, you have, like, a door, cabinet door, something sitting on the bench, you want to sand the top edge, you really got to grip it. <laughs> you got to hang on. Yeah, because it's heavy, and it's it's got a big top, so, like, I don't have giant hands, so it's not that easy for me to grip, and I can only sand like that and sand accurately for a little while. So that's really the only downside I see. And it's long too. Yeah, it uh it, it's like almost like a barrel grip jigsaw. Like it yeah, has that long barrel yeah. that comes off the back. So it's big and it's heavy uh and takes two hands for the most part to use comfortably. Yeah, like for me it's kind of like left hand is steering and right hand <laughs> yeah. is just is just keeping the back from tipping down. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um but if we could only have one I'm pretty sure we agree that that would be the one. Uh, yeah, if we could have one sander in the whole shop, I think I might say the 125 Rotex. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the 6 is good for big stuff, but not good for small stuff. Not. And the 125 is good for small stuff, but there's no... The only downside to the big stuff is you're just not covering as much area. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I loved that 6-inch, the 150. I mean, yeah. it was my first... Fest tool sander, so that was a two hander too. Yeah, there was still some, make the- some attachment to it, but I I I liked that sander a lot. Yeah. I felt the way my hand fit on it. It's a little it. too high. 
Yeah. Like uh, top heavy for me. Yeah. They Because they make that sort of low boy version of it now that... Yeah, that, the new ETS. Yeah. The, yeah. But you know the one that I want next. The uh, Delta Sander. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really want want that one. Um, what's the second part? So we, we agree it's worth the extra money. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's, that's all he really wanted to know if he, if we could recommend it over the others. Yeah. The 150 or the 125, just, you know, you got to look at what you're making and if it's mostly big stuff, go with the bigger one. If it's mostly small stuff, go with the smaller one. Yeah. Yeah. And stock removal. If you depends on like how closely you're milling your parts and things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, like we, if you're building countertops, <laughs> go with the, the six inch. Yeah. But if you're building um little know. pieces of furniture. Yeah, like if you're sanding face frames and doors, yeah. then you don't need the six inch. The five inch is really great for one handed operation, like in different planes, like holding it on a vertical surface. Yep. So they they all have their their pluses. Yeah. That's for sure. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Good question. All right, let's move on. We got uh, this next question is from David Murphy. He's uh, also one of our patrons. Um, what are your opinions on finishing, sanding and finishing areas of the project that will never be seen by the customer? Do you do it as a nod to craftsmanship? Well, this is a subject that I kind of struggle with because um, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I'm just calling you. <laughs> Bit of a Tom perfectionist. Tom. I um oh better take that call. We'll pause it. Hello. All right, we're back. I was saying um I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so um even the areas that aren't seen, like I have a hard time stopping and not not making them look as good as the finished services. I'll tell you something. Let me interrupt you. We measure out where the screws yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. So the screw, the screw layout on the backs of cabinets and stuff is like laid out. So that's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. But you know, with doing more reading and stuff, um, even on the the very, very, very fine furniture, we're talking about the stuff that. Um, you know, the guy that owned the entire town back yeah. 300 years ago had, yeah. um, you know, the backs of the cabinets and stuff might've been rough sawn. Yeah. Um, yeah. so speaking on tradition, um, it's not necessarily the thing to do. So I'm trying to find a middle ground there where I can be happy with, Here's the thing. The clients don't know that. No. <laughs> and that's only something that you know if you read about a- antique woodwork. So the clients don't know that. And my fear is that somebody opens up a cabinet and feels something or sees something. And then, you know, they might have a diminished view of the piece. So I- I'm pretty anal about it. And, you know, we'll see where I where I end up as as the years go on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can, you know, pretty much mirror those sentiments. A lot of that stuff secondary woods yankee thrift is a is mm-hmm. i mean part of that is is built into this story where they would use poplar for the drawer boxes yeah. and it's why you have pine floors upstairs with the oak floors downstairs yeah. in the old houses um so as far as tradition goes they weren't fools you know they 
They did what they could. Yeah. And things took so much longer back then. Oh, yeah. So they really wanted to save some time. Mm-hmm. We sand and finish things like, uh, you know, all the hardwood surfaces, even if you're not going to see it, just because it has to be, right. you know, finished on, on both sides, whether you see it or not. Like a, a top, we, we, we don't sand it to the same degree, but if, you know, we have to sand a little bit so that it's smooth enough. Yeah, like the underside of like a hardwood top. You know, I'm not going to leave glue. No. And, <laughs> but if there's like a little bit of wane right, or right. Um, a little bit of uh, misalignment between edge yeah. glues, that I mean, that's not a big Tool deal. Tool marks, things like that. Yeah, we don't yeah. go crazy about that on the bottoms of, uh, especially when it's you don't see it at all. Yeah. Like, like I'm reading the Anarchist design book right now, and um, he talks about, you know, using the jack plane on the or uh, this no the scrub plane on the bottom of things like bottoms of chairs and stuff and that's how they used to do it you would feel mm-hmm. the undulations on the bottom of the chair mm-hmm. and the top was done with the smoother and it was smooth yeah um so you got to find that middle ground yeah um we definitely do a lot more than um we need to we need being in quotation marks yeah like then we could get away with you could say yeah just because it's just uh, we enjoy it. We, yeah. I mean, that's that's part of it. We enjoy doing that, knowing we put everything into it, even if it's a little bit overbuilt. Um, it doesn't really take that much more time because um, we're only talking about a few little parts of a project, not the whole job. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the you know they see most of the of the piece, mm-hmm. and um, so it, it's. It's it's more of a nod to ourselves, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we like it. All right. So um Thanks, David. Yeah, that that was the last question. Yeah. Wow. And uh we we bust the table during that interim. That was a business call yeah. we had to take. Yeah, that was a client calling in uh some feedback on a piece we we're designing. Yeah, yeah. And they're out in Pennsylvania, so... Yeah, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. It's long distance. Yeah, yeah. long distance relationship. (laughs) And we like to... Listen, we're always responsive to people we're working with. And uh, that's just... That's how we like it. Yeah. Uh, So our thoughts on the beer of the week. That goes to me first. I I don't... I mean, we only had like a good half a beer, which... it. It just was not enough. I know. It was not enough. I know. <laughs> it was so good. It really was. Um, uh, that that might take the cake for my favorite out of all the beers. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean. It's so distinctive. Yeah. Um, it was like, like tart cherry juice. I didn't get the cinnamon or vanilla really. No. Maybe a little bit. Um, but I don't think it had enough, like, as these... Uh, beers warm up like wine or cheese anything the flavors come out more yeah, yeah. Um, and, but we drank them down so quick that <laughs> I mean refreshing yeah it was good juicy, super it was just good juicy. yeah man that was six ninety nine's a deal yeah you think Rich would have liked it I don't see how anyone could not like that unless yeah. you like don't like cherries yeah cause Rich is the Coors Light king yeah he doesn't really step outside that box. No. Um, 
Ah, yeah, that was really good. Yeah, so check that out. Evil Twin, Granola Mom's favorite? I don't know. That That's a crazy name. Granola Mom's favorite? Yeah. Wow. From Evil Twin Brewing. Yeah, that was good. Thank you, Evil Twin. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> doing some cool stuff over there. Oh, as always, the tool of the week is... Uh, in the description and on the website, right? We got the Pika pencil. Yep. Yeah, we'll have that that kit that comes yeah. with the two pencils, the marker, the pen, the lead. And I'll put one up for just the pencil, too, if anybody's yeah. interested. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. Yeah, in the description and on, on our website, it's a link to the Amazon storefront. So we have uh, all kinds of tools that we use in there every day. Everything on there is stuff that we actually use. Um, so check it out. Yeah, see if there's anything there that you haven't heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like to, you know, we're just, uh, we're fans of all this stuff. So oh, yeah. spreading the gospel. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, the podcast is on Instagram, or I'm sorry, it's on YouTube as well. And we've been putting out more uh, YouTube videos. That's right. So hoping to do one or two a week, mm-hmm. you know, aside from the podcast, podcast goes up uh, every Thursday morning or Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, we shot a little little tip video today okay, yeah. got some other tips up there some uh, how-to kind of stuff how to build a shaker door how to make molding on the table saw so check those out uh, give us a, a subscribe on youtube you know if there's something that is they specifically want to see yeah um because we're doing stuff that we like or that's worked into a job mm-hmm. um that's the best way for us to do it because you know it takes so much time to do it yeah um yeah, I mean, John. When John was here yesterday, I mean, it was. Uh, <laughs> what we he was only here from only for about two hours, but yeah. uh, all we really did was cut out the one door with the track saw, and it took the whole two hours. It, it's a lot of work filming stuff, even just. Yeah. I mean, even just setting up the stuff for the podcast. So yeah. obviously, you can't see the camera because that's what's filming us. But behind the camera is the, a computer. We have a mixing board. We've got the cable, all the cables running over there, 4K capture card, yeah. although this isn't shot in 4K. Um, you know, the audio going from the mixer to the computer and all, I mean, it's a lot of stuff to set oh, yeah. up. We've got to bring in this horses. table, yeah, our, our little sign here, which would be nice if we had that in wood. Yeah. We uh, have, uh, I don't know sound if you can see. Yeah, these are little like sound attenuation panels and so it takes time. Yeah, yeah, but we love doing it. That's, yeah, that's why we do it. Yep. I mean, I got up this morning going, "All right, it's Wednesday podcast." Yeah, podcast day. Yeah. So, as always, we want to thank all of our patrons. Yeah. And specifically, we want to thank our gold tier patrons, David Murphy. Thanks for the question, Dave. Manny Siriani, our good friend Eric, Dustin Fair, and Adam Pothast. Fair. So, Fair like, like mayor. <laughs> mayor. <laughs> fair like mayor. Because in, in parentheses it says, fair like mayor. Yeah. But we went over this. That's what, I, yeah. I, well, I, I had to mayor. ask him. I said, Dustin, you got to tell me how you say your name. I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> I would say Dustin Fair. Fair. <laughs> That's probably how I would pronounce it. If yeah. Fair. 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 Yeah. Dustin Fair. From Alone on History Channel. Super All right. Cool. Uh, 
If you want to see the after show, find us on Patreon, Green Street Joinery. We're going to sit down here as soon as we cut this. We're going to do another half hour, 45 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah. Talk about some Great other stuff. topic. Yeah, we go a little sidetrack, uncut, raw. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let it fly. <laughs> like a good ceviche. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see you next week for episode 20. Yeah. Believe it or wow, not. Wow, 2-0. Yeah. All right. Thank you so Thanks, much, everybody. everybody. Be well out there. See you there. next week.